0: Exodus chapter 34, verses 5 through 7. The Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation.
1: A reading from Ezekiel 36. Therefore, say to the house of Israel, Thus says the Lord God, It is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I am about to act, but for the sake of my holy name
0: And this reading is from Luke chapter 11. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. This is the word of the Lord. Pray with me. Lord, we ask that you would glorify yourself in this moment. Father, we come to you as children who are eager to be in your presence, eager to hear from you, eager to be filled with your joy. We pray that that would happen in this moment by being filled with your word. So Lord, I ask that my words would fall to the ground and blow away and not be remembered anymore. But Lord, may your words remain and may they change us. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Um, This is our 27th. Is that right? Roman noodles are hard. Numerals are hard. (laughs) Noodles are hard too. It's our 27th week now studying uh, the Gospel of Luke, and for the last couple of weeks we've been looking at um, what Luke has to say about prayer. Uh, two weeks ago we saw this through the story of Mary and Martha, and then last week we began to look at the Lord's Prayer and what it means to call God Father. So call God Father, and really it's, it's the disciples' prayer, it's not the Lord's Prayer. This is the prayer that Jesus taught the disciples to pray. And I realized this when we were going through this last week, that we probably should just pause for a little bit and ask the question, what exactly is this prayer, this disciples' prayer here? Um, Most of you have probably, if you've been involved in a church, have grown up and you have said this prayer at some point. Um, Even if you haven't grown up in church, you at least recognize it. Maybe you do know it. Um, I mean, I played high school basketball, and I can remember... Um, before a game would start and our coach would gather us all together and he would just unleash, you know, a bunch of four-word tirades, four-letter word tirades, and then he would gather us all together and he'd say, all right, hands in the middle, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. You know, and, and we would pray that um, before we'd go out there and we'd start our basketball game. If you go to churches on Christmas Eves or Easter's, or uh, perhaps if you go to a funeral A lot of times this is read, and even those who never come to church except for those times, they'll say, our Father, which art in heaven, and the only confusion is whether you say transgressions or sins, you know, half the people say one, half the other, and people always have to say hallowed instead of hallowed for some reason, just like we have to say blessed instead of blessed, Um, but people, they get the point, They, they know it, they've heard this, but they really don't know what it means. And surprisingly, in going through commentaries on the Lord's Prayer, there is a lack of commentaries on it. Actually, not much, that much has been written concerning this, because I think people are somewhat confused. I mean, is this an actual prayer? Is this just a prayer outline? You know, or is this the model prayer? Is this something we're just supposed to recite, or... Does it mean something else? What exactly is this? Let's look at it in context. Jesus, he taught his disciples to pray this prayer after he had just praised Mary for what she had done in sitting in his presence, after he had just gone off to be alone with his father. And the disciples saw Mary and the disciples saw what Jesus did alone with his father when he would get away for hours at a time, probably daily, come, came back and said, Father, or Jesus, teach us to pray like that. And so Jesus gives them a couple of sentences. He's gone for hours. He comes back and the disciples say, teach us to pray like that. And he says, okay. And he gives them about a 30 second prayer. Which makes you think this probably, you know, you could probably pray a little bit longer. This is probably isn't all that you're supposed to pray. What Jesus is presenting here is a theology of prayer. He's telling us how we can orient our hearts when we do pray. What is prayer about? Who are we praying to? And all of that is packed in just these couple of sentences. Every word that Jesus says here is extremely important. And We looked at last week the very first word of the prayer, Father, Father. And how we are to remind ourselves when we pray that we do not come to God as a master And a servant. We don't approach God like a boss and we're just his employee. We approach God like a child approaches his father or her father. There is a security in that relationship. We don't have to do anything to win affection. And we can boldly and shamelessly ask him of things, just like my children can do that to me. We can bother God. We're supposed to bother him, he is our father. And now we come to the second part of this prayer. After reminding ourselves of who God is and our relationship with Him and how we're supposed to rest in that. And that's how we orient our hearts in prayer. The very first request is hallowed be your name. That should be our our greatest concern that should be the request that we make more than any other, that God's name would be hallowed. Now, real, real quick, um, Jesus is not saying that we pray this because God is somehow lacking in an area, and we need to pray that he becomes more hallowed. We're not saying, God, you're not holy enough, so we are praying that you become more holy, You're not precious enough, so we're praying that you become more of a precious person. We're not praying anything about God to change. The prayer is about us. When we say, hallowed be your name, Martin Luther, he used to add the phrase, or the two words, in us. Hallowed be your name in us. We're asking God to change our hearts to where we hallow God. Now what exactly does this word hallow mean? Likely you're only going to find it twice in your Bible, both times in the Lord's Prayer. Um, It's rarely used anymore. The the word somewhat lost its meaning. Um, You you could define hallowed as sanctified, holy, to set apart as holy, to consecrate. And, and some of your translations, some of the more modern ones might do that, to, to, to set aside as holy or something like that. But it means to, to hold something or someone as sacred, to realize that this person or this object is different than everybody else. I think perhaps the best way to understand what hallowed means, hallowed means in this context is to understand it as adored. Adored. It's in the context of adoration. When you adore something, that means as a very special place in your heart. It has been set aside in your heart. It is different from everything else. Something you adore is treasured, sanctified. It is hallowed. So when Jesus here tells us that we are to pray, Father, hallowed be your name, He was saying that the primary concern, the primary cry of our hearts, the the very first and the most important thing that we can pray for is, God, may our hearts treasure you. God, may our hearts adore you. When we think of you, may we we think of you as absolutely supreme, absolutely of, of total value. As the ultimate, when we think of you, may that be where our joy rests. You are cherished, you are adored, hallowed be your name. We've got to see God as supreme in all of life, and that is what to hallow his name means. And notice he doesn't just say, hallow God. He says, we hallow his name. And, and the name of God is representative of the entire character of God. It's not just the person, it's, it's everything he is. All of his attributes, all of his characteristics, we are to find joy in those. We are to treasure them. So that means when we reflect on his attributes, things like his love, his power, his omniscience, his kindness, his beauty, his omnipresence, or the fact that he is everlasting. When we think of those things, we savor them. We treasure them. I don't know if you've ever done that, to uh, just pick one attribute of God and meditate on it. Not, not God himself, all of it, just, just pick one attribute. And, you know, maybe next time you're driving to to work, you know, turn off NPR or whatever it is you listen to, and uh, pick one attribute: everlasting. Just, just saying. Okay, God, you are eternal. Gosh, what does that mean? That means that you were here yesterday. That means that a thousand years ago you were here. That means when the pyramids were being built. You were there. That means when the earth was being formed, you were there. That means even before the earth was formed, before the galaxies were formed, you were there unchanging. Totally the same. And you will be there tomorrow. You will be there a thousand years from now. You will be there until time has no more meaning. All into eternity. You were there the same. And you just think about that. It will lead you into praise, and all of a sudden it gives you a per- perspective on the day. Somebody comes and, you know, throws an obstacle your way. Somebody challenges you in your faith. You'll be like, hey, you're just a little drop in the bucket. God's going to be here forever, forever, never-ending. And you savor this. You relish it. That's how we can hallow his name. And hallowing God's name is not a duty. Don't walk away from here and think, okay, I'm going to hallow his name. This is a joy. Adoration is not a duty. It is a joy. And this is where I'm looking through the commentaries on Luke. I feel like most of them really missed it. A lot of times when I read commentaries, um, I realize I have somewhat of a commentary addiction. And, and I can just I can read them and I read them. And uh, all the commentaries on this put me to sleep. Uh, and usually I really get excited, but these were just, they were just boring and dull. And they would say things like, okay, to hallow God's name means you need to obey God. It means you need to not take his name in vain. It means you need to approach him with reverence. And all of those things were, they're good. But I feel like they missed the heart of what it means to hallow God. To adore him, to treasure him, and to see God as Beautiful. You know, no one who sees something of incredible beauty has to ever be told to praise it. You know, if you go to the ocean and you see the sunset on the ocean and it lights up the clouds, pink and purple, you know, and just gorgeous, you say, wow, nobody has to tell you to say, wow, you just say it. You know, the original explorers, when they're crossing the, uh, crossing North America and they come across the Grand Canyon, they don't say, wow, you know, just look at this, we'll call it Grand, you know, it, it's like, Whoa! Wow! It's adoration, and it's expressed, and it is their joy to see something of such grandeur and beauty. They don't have to be told. And you get a picture of that, which we looked at probably about a year ago, a picture of that when you see the angels crying out to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And the other angels, they respond... Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And what they're doing is they're worshiping God in the splendor or the beauty of His holiness. And so when they see something so beautiful, they just have to say it. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And the angels go, I know. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And they go, I know. And they respond back and forth, back and forth for all eternity because they are captured with beauty. And when God says, hallow be his name, he saying, be captured by that beauty. This is for your joy. A prayer to hallow the name of God is a prayer for your joy to be found in God. It's not just to obey him or to revere him or those things. Those things will happen if your joy is in God, if he is your treasure. Last night, a lot of you were there, um, Matt and Aaron, now Francisco's wedding, um, which taught me a couple of things about our church real quick. One, that y'all can be on time because cause y'all were on time there. You can be better dressed, you know, um, and some of you can dance. Uh, but 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 at the wedding and Matt and Aaron, they were there, they were giggling. I don't know if you for those of you who were there could see that, they were giggling as they're doing the vowels, and I kept thinking I'm messing up. Somehow I'm saying something wrong because they just kept giggling. But but what was happening is they were adoring one another. As they were looking at one another, they were cherishing one another. And 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 Aaron and Matt, who I'm sure are podcasts, will podcast this tonight on their honeymoon. <laughs> They were saying, it's you, it's just you that has this place in my heart. That's hallow. That's to hallow someone's name. And it's important that we understand this as the first request. I would say the framing request of all the other requests in the Lord's prayer. If you hallow God, you are going to pray for all of the other things that are below it in this prayer. You will if you hallow the name of God. Let's just kind of walk through these. Your kingdom come. Yeah, the last five years have seen an explosion of books about what the coming kingdom means, and wherever you are on that spectrum of what it means to have the kingdom of God comes you. We all at least agree on this. That means that Jesus will come in bodily form and he will reign as king. Now, if you treasure God, if you treasure Jesus, if you adore him, you cannot wait for him to physically return and to be honored as king. This Advent season's too long. It's hard to be patient when thinking of that if he is who you adore. Give us each day our daily bread. And the adoration of God is behind this request as well. I want you to notice what it does not pray. It does, it does not say here, give us this day our daily chocolate. You know, or give us this day our new clothes or our new car." Give us this day a better job. It says, give us this day bread. Bread. And that's it. This is not a prayer for luxuries. This is not a prayer for comforts. It's a prayer for only what is needed to live. And that's it and the reason that we pray for only what is necessary to to live and nothing else is because those other things don't matter if God is who we treasure if if he is what we long for then we don't long for those other things we need our daily sustenance we need daily bread but we don't need those other things to sustain us. We don't need those luxuries to keep us happy. We have the Lord. His name is hallowed in us. Those things are not going to be hallowed. So that fuels even this request here. If you go to God in prayer and you're always asking Him for these other things, those are likely the things that you hallow. A matter of fact, it's The things that we hallow, the things that we hallow are what drives us to prayer. The things that we hallow are what drives us to prayer. And let me unpack that. If you hallow your health, when your health comes into crisis, you cry out and you pray. If you hallow your family, it's when your family's threatened that you're going to that's going to be the only time that you pray. If you hallow success, then it's only when you're not being successful that you're going to pray. And so it's the things that you hallow that drive you to prayer. And so if you go to God in prayer and you're praying with all your heart, God, give me this new job because I need this new job to be happy. I know you want my happiness. Therefore, give me this new job and God doesn't give it to you. The reason he doesn't give it to you is because you're hallowing a new job. You're not hallowing him. That's an idol. We don't put our hearts in anything other than God. What Jesus is saying here is if you hallow God's name above all else, then the reason you pray, the, the thing that brings you over and over to just sit in his presence... Is because you treasure him. That's what should drive our prayers. What has driven you to pray this week? I'm not saying you don't pray for those things, but what has driven you to prayer? It's the things you hallow. Is it God or what other idol you are holding on to? Let's look at forgive us of our sins. As we forgive ourselves, forgive everyone who is indebted to us. Now, hallowing the name of God or adoration is what fuels this because it hurts us that we have sinned against the person that we adore. It hurts us. And so we ask for forgiveness. Our sin is... It doesn't hallow his name. It profanes his name. And that's intolerable to us. And so we confess and we repent. And also the ability to forgive is rooted in the adoration of God. Your ability to forgive. For, for instance, and I hope this makes sense. It will. Sometimes the people, often people have come to my office um, with some problem that they've had that they're trying to overcome, some sin, and maybe they've wronged somebody. And they say, you know, I know God forgives me. And this person has forgiven me, but I can't forgive myself. I just can't do it. I know they forgive me, God forgives me, I just can't forgive myself. And I've I've heard that a number of times. Um, Perhaps some of you in this room feel that way about something in your life, that you just can't forgive yourself for that. The reason you can't forgive yourself is because you are not hallowing God in your life. You're not hallowing Him. You're you're hallowing something else more important than God, and that's what won't forgive you. If you hallow family more than God, and you have wronged your family, well then, you can't forgive yourself. If you hallow success more than you hallow God and and you have failed big time, well, then you can't forgive yourself because that is what you're looking towards for your identity, for your satisfaction, and you have failed it. But if you hallow God, you esteem His words, and He says, You are forgiven. You are forgiven. Let's look at Lead us not into temptation. Matthew adds the phrase, but deliver us from evil. It's really the same thing. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And what Luke is doing here, or Jesus is doing here, is recognizing that there are things that pull our hearts away from God. We want to hallow other things. God delivers from that. Now, I just threw a chunk out at you. But how do we go about actually fostering more adoration in our lives? We we heard it when we read from Exodus 34 earlier. And let me just read um, from Exodus 34. And the context is this. Moses asks to see the face of God. God says, well, no, you can't see my, my face, but how about this? I'll pass by and you can, uh, you can see me as I'm passing by. And this is what happens in Exodus 34, verse 5. It says, the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with Him there and proclaimed the name of Yahweh. So He's declaring His name. And Yahweh passed before him and proclaimed, Yahweh, Yahweh. A God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity in transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on their children. And so, when God passes before Moses, He declares His name, and He declares it twice. Yahweh, Yahweh, which is emphasizing, listen to this. This is my name, and this is what my name means. And then what He says is an absolute mystery. Moses had to leave scratching his head. Because on the one hand, it says, He's merciful, he's gracious, he's slow to anger. He forgives iniquity and transgression and sin. And then it says, "But who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation?" And so you have, "I am Yahweh, Yahweh, I forgive iniquity." And you know what? I will you will pay for your iniquity. To the third and to the fourth generation. You're like, what? I forgive it and you will pay for it. So, what the name of the Lord means. You want to adore the Lord. You've got to understand this. And it points us straight to Jesus. Straight to him. If, it, if you're struggling with adoration, you think of the Cross. In which you have mercy, you have love, you have steadfast faithfulness, you have compassion. You see God forgiving us through Jesus. And then you also see God going, but your sins will be dealt with and paid for. And Jesus takes that on on the cross. You have both the love and the wrath. Meeting at the cross. And that means for us that when we think of who we are, we understand that we are far worse than we ever thought possible. We have far more sin than you could possibly imagine. But because of Jesus, at the same time, we are far more loved than we could have ever hoped. And those things meet at the cross, and that leads us to adoration. This week, slow down, think of the cross and adore Jesus. We can have no greater request than that His name be hallowed in our lives. Pray with me. Our Father, we quiet ourselves before You. seems unfair that you could command us to delight in you. How how can you just command somebody to have an emotion? But Lord with your command you bring with it the power to change our hearts. Lord when we ask for your name to be hallowed we're not asking you of something that you don't want to do but something that you want to do at infinite cost. You want to hallow your name more than anything. As we just read from Ezekiel 36, we have profaned your name, but you said for your glory, for your glory you will give us a new heart. You will put your spirit inside of us so that we will not profane your name, but so that we might delight in your name. So God, give us that heart. One that delights in you treasures You, sees You as supreme in everything. And no matter what the world throws our way, You are our anchor. You are our joy. And We pray this in the strong name of Jesus. Amen.